Happy Monday, everyone. It's 7 a.m. on this October 24th. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven right here on Covenant Network. It's good to begin the week with you. Let us offer the day and the week to our Lord in prayer. And we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, It's very good to be back with you on this Monday as we wrap up. I want to say the last week of October. It really is the last full week of October. We have the 30th on Sunday and the 31st on Monday. But this is, I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're coming down to the end. It's going to be a busy week. It's going to be a good week. Um, You know, for me, it kind of ends. We have Sunday Mass on Sunday morning and then our block party, which is a great day of festivity for all of us uh, over over where I live. And then Monday's Halloween. How can you beat that? And trunk or treats this weekend. It's You know, so I got a lot to look forward to this week. But before we even get to the weekend, we got to get through the week. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing because that means we're going to be together. We've got some good stuff planned on Roadmap to Heaven this week as well. Um, Here's the deal. Today on the show, we're going to have John John Martinoni with us for Martinoni Monday. We're going to keep looking at what is truth. And then a little bit later on, we're going to talk with a gentleman named Matt Estrada. Actually, I spoke with him last week about the Peace with Dementia Rosary. We're going to bring you part of that conversation today. The rest of it's going to be on the podcast. Plus, we've got the fabulous Catequiz and a few other things going this morning as well. But before, before, before we can get to any of that, we're going to get you a check of the weather with Mike Roberts and the, the good old, not just the weather, but the, uh, the saint of the day as well. And so, you know, those are the kinds of things that we are looking forward to uh, right here on Roadmap to Heaven. So, John Martinoni, Peace with Dementia Rosary, and more, let's go get you that check of the weather. This is the feast day of St. Anthony Marie Claret, founder of the Missionary Sons of the Immaculate Heart, the Claritians. Born in Spain in 1807, Anthony was the fifth of 11 children born to Juana Josefa and grew up in a family that had a special devotion to Our Lady, often making pilgrimages to a nearby shrine. At the age of 20, he started his working life as a weaver, but on his own time studied Latin and printing, skills which would later serve him and the rest of us very well. By the time he was 22, Anthony felt called to the religious life and, in 1829, entered the diocesan seminary where he was ordained in 1835 on the feast day of St. Anthony of Padua, June 13th. He'd wanted to become a missionary, so tried to become a Jesuit priest, but poor health got in the way, so Anthony turned to preaching and giving missions across Spain and for a time in the Canary Islands for the next 10 years, and along the way treated the sick worked to help the poor, and drew huge crowds everywhere he went. In 1849, he formed the Missionary Sons of the Immaculate Heart, the Claritians, and also founded a great religious library now known as Libraria Claret. 
Anthony himself was a prolific writer, authoring over 200 books and founding a Catholic publishing house. In 1850, he was made Archbishop of Santiago, Cuba. There, he brought reform, new life to a fading church, built hospitals, schools, and libraries. But against his wishes, he was called back to Spain to serve as chaplain for Queen Isabella, and then forced into exile with her in Paris in 1868 during the Revolution. Anthony was an important part of the First Vatican Council, where he was an articulate and passionate defender of the doctrine of infallibility. He died on this day in 1870. St. Anthony Marie Claret, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a great day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. John Martinoni is the president and founder of the Bible Christian Society, and we're always happy to speak with him on a Monday morning. We've been talking about truth for the past few weeks, and John, today we get to talk about religious truths, because how many times have you and I heard it said about our Catholic Christianity? Well, you know, that's just one path among many, and if that's what's true for you, then good for you, but who are you to tell the other people that believe other things that that's not true for them? Yes, and I hear that all the time as well, Adam. I know many, many people who are trying to, to evangelize hear that same thing, many Catholics, and many Christians when they're trying to, to evangelize other, other non-Christian faiths. But here's the thing. There has to be a truth in religion, because if you look at it, well, there's all these paths to the same place. Really? So when the Hindu says there's many gods... And a Jew and a Christian and a Muslim say there's only one God, that's all okay? I mean, they contradict each other. This is getting back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago, the principle of non-contradiction. You have all these contradictions in what are so-called religious truths for the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, the Christians, the Jews, etc., etc. Well, if one quote-unquote truth contradicts another quote-unquote truth, at least one of those, asked, one is true and one is not. You know, again, what, what I said, I guess, a couple weeks ago is that how when the priest consecrates the bread and wine, it either is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, or it's not. One of those is a religious truth. Both of them cannot be religious truths. So when you get into these discussions, you have to find the contradictions. And, you, you know, a lot of people say, well, we need to start with what we have in common. Yeah, well, yeah, you can do that, but you've got to get very quickly to where things contradict. If you have, again, a, a religious relativist, it's, it's all the same. You know, Baptist, Catholic, Episcopalian, Muslim, Hindu, they're all the same. No, they're not. Truth matters. You know, Jesus said, we started off this series with Pontius Pilate's question to Jesus, what is truth? Well, Jesus said, for this I was born, for this I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. He who is of the truth hears my voice. So for Catholics, for Christians, it's very important that we teach people the truth. And then I'll just limit right now the rest of my comments to Christian truth. What is Christian truth? You know, a lot of Catholics I hear say, well, you know, my son left the Catholic Church, but he's going to a Baptist church, so that's okay, because it's Christian. It doesn't matter. Like, no, he left the Eucharist. He, he left 
the sacraments. He left the priesthood. He left the communion of saints. And so they say, but it's all the same. I say, how can it be all the same? Do you believe, and I'll ask them, do you believe when you receive the host that it's the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ? And they'll say, yes. I say, well, your son, he doesn't believe that. So one of you is right, one of you is wrong. So there has to be a truth here. And Jesus says the truth is important. Jesus connects the truth to salvation. Don't you want to figure this one out? Either you need to be Baptist or your son needs to come back to the Catholic Church. Uh, and people start realizing, oh, I never thought of it that way. So there is religious truth. And again, using the principle of contradiction or non-contradiction, when you start showing the contradictions in all these religions, you realize not all of them can be true. Wherever there's contradiction, you know, there's falsehood. So we've got to get rid of the false and stick to the true and the true religion as Catholics, we could, we believe and we have great evidence we can show that the Catholic truth contains the fullness of religious truth that God has given us, the Catholic religion. Well, John, I love that principle of non-contradiction. And next week we're going to share, well, I've got a little story to share where I first encountered that principle. And a spoiler alert, it was not in a philosophy class. But until then, I want to thank you for being with us to talk about religious truth today. And if you want to find out more about John's work with the Bible Christian Society, be sure to visit BibleChristianSociety.com. There you have it. We will be back after this. Prayer for God's blessing of one's daily work. O Lord my God, creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts. With St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. Catequiz today. We've been talking about truth with John Martinoni, and this all stems from one question in the Passion narrative when Pilate asks our Lord, what is truth? But here's the Catequiz question. Which of the four Gospels does that phrase appear? In which of the four Gospels? Now, this could be a trick question. This could be just one Gospel. It could be multiple Gospels. It could be all four. Do you know the answer? See, this is, this is for all the Scripture scholars out there. Well, I will tell you that it is not in all four. In fact, it is not in Luke. It is not in Mark. And it is not in Matthew's account of the Passion. However, it is in the Gospel of John. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's where you find it. I love the, uh, the Gospel of John. It's one of my favorite ones. And if you go to John chapter, let's see here, it's uh, chapter 18, I believe. In chapter 18, they take him before Pilate, and in verse... Well, it's down there. I had it before, and I just closed the browser. Oh, verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? So it's interesting to me that that only appears in the Gospel of John, but it's such a great passage, and it's one that, as John Martinoni and I have been talking about for our day, 
So a very important question, what is truth? But, you know, it also brings up the question, do you read The Passion? And the reason I ask that is, yes, every year when we are at the Easter Vigil, or not the Easter Vigil, at Good Friday and Palm Sunday, they read The Passion out loud. But, you know, we often talk about reflecting upon the life of our Lord and his sacrifice for us. Now, uh, we pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy every day at three. We pray the Sorrowful Mysteries on Tuesdays and Fridays. And those are great ways to reflect on the Passion of our Lord. But do you read the Passion narratives? It's a good practice to get into. Maybe on Fridays, just read a little bit of the Passion narrative. Maybe that's something you can do to read part of it at 3 o'clock every Friday. Pick a different gospel. Or perhaps Friday as a family, read the Passion narrative. Now, granted, it's only Monday right now, but think about it this week. Maybe this could be a new prayer discipline you put into place on Friday to sit down and read the Passion. Also, what are your other favorite passages of Scripture, and how often do you go back to those? My wife loves, uh, it's early on in the Gospel when our Lord is baptized, and immediately, immediately he goes from the water to the wilderness, and she loves that passage. Don't ask me why, but she does. She loves how the story just keeps going. In in Matthew, it's end of chapter 3 into the beginning of chapter 4. We're going to take another break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we're going to bring you the conversation we had with Matt Estrade last week. And then later on in the show, we do have the daily dose of encouragement for you. But here's the moral of the story from the Catechist today. Go home at some point or while you're at work today or if you're not working, wherever you are today. Spend some time with the scriptures, even if it's just three verses. Spend time some time with the scriptures. Get to know them. There's truth galore. In fact, our Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So go spend some time with the truth. Go spend some time with our Lord. We'll be back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. A prayer to Christ the King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus Christ, I acknowledge Thee as universal King, All that has been made has been created for thee. Exercise all thy rights over me. I renew my baptismal vows, renouncing Satan, his pomps, and his works, and I promise to live as a good Christian. In particular, do I pledge myself to labor to the best of my ability for the triumph of the rights of God and thy church. Divine heart of Jesus, to thee do I proffer my poor services, laboring that all hearts may acknowledge thy sacred kingship, and that thus the reign of thy peace be established throughout the whole universe. Amen. I had the privilege of meeting our next guest uh, not too long ago at the Respect Life Convention in St. Louis. His name's Matt Estrade, and he is a wonderful guy who's written a book called The Peace with Dementia Rosary. We had many, many wonderful conversations during our time together over the weekend. Matt, it's good to have you back this time on air. It's good to be talking to you again. Thanks, Adam. Blessing to be here. Now, I know you're with My Catholic Doctor, so I have never asked you this question. Are you a doctor? I am not a doctor. So the, the best title for me is gerontologist, which just means I have a graduate degree in gerontology, which is the study of aging, not to be confused with close partner of geriatrics, which is the actual medicine of aging. Oh, wow. So you have this book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary, and I think what we need to start with, just in case, 
I don't want to assume everyone's familiar with dementia, but we've heard of dementia. We've heard of Alzheimer's. What's the definition we use these days for dementia? A good way to think about dementia is that it's a broad term or a syndrome of symptoms. So it's a group of symptoms, not a specific disease. And some of those common symptoms that could lead to or describe that term dementia are memory impairment, of course, could be disorientation of time and place, could be impaired judgment, could be a loss of this filter of our manners and things are, it impact our behavior. When we get to the term Alzheimer's disease, now that is a specific disease that could cause any, and probably sometimes all of those symptoms of dementia. You think of the term soft drinks, we have Coca-Cola, we have Dr. Pepper, we have Sprite, et cetera. So dementia is, you can think of dementia as a soft drink, just a broad term. And then Alzheimer's is Coca-Cola. Most of the dementias are caused by Alzheimer's disease, we believe, between 16 to 80%. Another common one is vascular dementia. Another one is Parkinson's with dementia. We can go on. There are many specific different types of diagnoses of specific diseases. Now, when I think of my first encounter with, in this case, it was Alzheimer's. I think of the gentleman who trained me to be an altar server, and his wife started out with mild Alzheimer's, and it progressed and progressed, and she had to be placed in a skilled nursing facility. And he went and visited his wife every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He was there to help her eat, sometimes spoon-feeding her. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful example of the sacrifices we make in marriage. And I know that it was you know, as beautiful of an example as that is, I know at times it was very hard for him. And that's a common thing for those who are caregivers of people who suffer from dementia. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you saw that witness. I know that happens a good bit, that commitment to in sickness and in health, but it's not often that we're able to actually see that happen. Like you did in that example, I'm privileged to lead caregiver support groups. And we had a particular Catholic gentleman who was there because His wife had dementia, and just to see his beautiful witness was uh, an inspiration to me as a husband and father to say, like, you know, wow, this could be in any any of our futures, and if if it ever is, you know, I'm going to look to you know his example. Now, as Catholics, we believe in the redemptive power of suffering. So, as difficult Mm -hmm. as that was for that gentleman and for the whole family and for all who are caregivers. We also believe that there is good that comes from that difficulty and comes from that suffering, that it can be offered for the souls in purgatory. It can be offered for our own growth and holiness. It's a beautiful thing. And so that's where this kind of takes a different twist. It's not just a medical, here's how you deal with dementia when it enters into your life, but you have a rosary now. You know, you've adapted praying the rosary for those who are caring for a loved one with dementia. Tell us a little bit about that. Through, through leading the support group that I mentioned, it's not Catholic specific, it's run by the county or our civil parish. And, uh, but people would come in and they were like, I go to this parish, I go to St. Peter Parish, I go to Mary Queen of Peace. So God's sending all these Catholics to my group. We would talk about our faith. And then outside of the group, I would say, well, I would do research and say like, well, is there a patron saint of dementia? Is there a patron saint of caregiving? But looking at dementia, what does that Catholic lens tell us about this particular con- disease that can cause people to not recognize their loved ones. It's just such a different condition in other diseases. And I discovered St. Dymphna, who's the patron saint of those with brain disorders and mental illness and anxiety. And then that led me to find out oh, the evangelist, St. John the Evangelist is, sorry, is the patron saint of caregivers. 
So I'm starting to now see what our Catholic faith sees. And therein lies what you said about redemptive suffering. That's sort of where our faith takes over and makes us different and causes us to look at this condition, other chronic diseases in a different way. In that idea that God's going to bring good from this suffering. And it's something that's not there in other secular support groups. Exactly. I mean, we look at the Blessed Mother and what does she do? She's at the foot of the cross. She doesn't run away from the suffering. Even our Lord doesn't run away from suffering. As we know from the gospel, they say, well, why don't you just come down from the cross if you're God? Which he could have done, which he Mm -hmm. could have done, but he didn't. He chose to stay on that cross for you and for I. And so it's a wonderful thing. So you saw the need for it. Obviously, praying the rosary is something that we champion every day here on the show. How is the dementia rosary different? I mean, I know at its core, it is the rosary, but how is it different? If we look at the book, so the 20 mysteries are there in the book, and they serve as these mini chapters to introduce some kind of educate practical education about dementia. And they're usually related to that particular mystery. And then I close that mini chapter with an intention based on that. So I'll give you an example. So the first joyful is the Annunciation. So I take that opportunity to talk about the diagnosis or the probable diagnosis. There are so many people out there that they know something's going on, either with their loved one or they themselves. They're like, you know, something's just not right. I'm foggy. You know, I'm consistently not remembering things. And that can be very scary. So in that chapter, I talk about the benefits of praying for the courage to go get a diagnosis. Sometimes it's not even getting a diagnosis. It's just going to your primary care physician to say, hey, doc, can you assess me? Because something's going on. And sometimes it can be, it's, it's an infection or if it's a lack of certain vitamins, but sometimes there is a probable diagnosis. But then if even if it is, as scary as that is, that's an opportunity to start planning things. That's the time to start rallying the family around you, putting supports in place. It's not the time to take away somebody's keys. It's not the time to leave your job. And I think that's why many people avoid that announcement. So in that particular prayer is that we have the courage to go to our doctor if we think that something's wrong and that the family really just kind of comes together rather than it being something that divides people. That's beautiful. I, You know, as you say that, I think of how scary the prospect is. I mean, I know in... Some of my very close friends, families, Alzheimer's runs. And we're all at that age that we're starting to have those conversations about our parents, if we haven't yeah. had them already. Mm-hmm. What is our plan? If we need to do X, Y, or Z, what is our plan? And, you know, praise God, I haven't had to have that particular conversation yet. But, I mean, some of my neighbors have. And it's a very real struggle. And there are very difficult questions because it involves sometimes a loss of independence, a loss of freedom. And there are times we have to have mm-hmm. those conversations to take away the keys, or to say you have to move out of your house. You're not able to live alone. I can't imagine how difficult that is. So I wonder, what are some of the the spiritual things that you see in the lives of the caregivers that help them through this time? If you think about things like courage, you know, the courage to have those conversations, you know, a husband to his wife or an adult child, a son to his dad, like, you know, that we might have to limit your driving, you know, it might have to be, you know, just to the grocery store if it's, you know, if it's other places or so courage for sure, redemptive suffering and looking to the cross have been very powerful. The humility, it's the first virtue and 
the one that we see struggling on both sides. But when someone is able to humble themselves and you know to find that virtue and practice it, caregivers are able to ask for help when otherwise they're like, I have this, I don't need anybody else. No one's offering help and that's fine. I don't want their help anyway. And humbling you know, someone with that condition to humble themselves because typically they don't want to be a burden. It's not the correct way of looking at it. The correct way is to sort of surrender, not give up, but surrender unto God and to surrender unto the care of, say, your adult children who you took care of and who you raised. Now it's their turn for them to serve you and take care of you in your old age. And that takes humility. It does. You know, we've kind of been focusing on the negative of this, but there's also joy. With yes. Joy does not exit the equation when there's a diagnosis of Alzheimer's or dementia. And I think recently of Tony Bennett, I mean, probably a great example of this. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching a documentary piece, uh, and they said that his accompanist would come over to his apartment in New York and start playing songs that you know that he had been singing for years in his concerts and wherever he was in the apartment Tony Bennett would come out and he would sing through every song perfectly mm-hmm. and then 5 minutes later he'd be having a conversation and and he'd have to ask who am I talking with and all of those questions that sometimes come out but then they'd start playing the piano again and again he could get through every song so there is joy in this too absolutely yeah Th- that's a great example music tends to stick around and and bring us joy you know, it's just that part of the brain seems to be protected for the most part for most people. Praise God, whether it's hymns, spiritual music, or just, you know, the music that you grew up, contemporary music of your era, those are very special. You know, even musicians like Tony Bennett in prayer. Going back to the the rosary, we see those who are experiencing Alzheimer's or other dementia, and they remember the Hail Mary, the Our Father, the, the Creed. They remember all of these prayers. You'll even see them go back to prayers in Latin. The traditional Latin mass, you know, they appreciate the chants and everything. So it's, that is something that is not only, you know, something to make sure that we're introducing you know, because it's going to provide comfort, but it's, it's delight, it's joy. I could go on. There are many examples of how this condition, this negative event brings families closer together. Parents tell stories to their children that they had no idea because they never really thought, you know, they're from maybe from the childhood the older person's childhood that didn't even come up before. So they're getting to learn to parents in in a new way. I I remember when I did my senior service project in high school, I was at a uh, skilled nursing facility founded by an order of religious sisters. So several of the sisters were in residence there. And Mm -hmm. there was one, she would wheel herself out of her room every day. And and no matter who you were, she would address you as sister. I I was even sister in her eyes. Sister, do you need any help (laughs) with anything? And then we would take her back to her room. and, And what would bring her some comfort and some joy was to ask her stories about her childhood because she could tell us everything about mm-hmm. her childhood. She yeah. couldn't tell that I wasn't sister, but she could tell me everything about her childhood and what a great yes. opportunity that was. And those were the best moments of that service project, really getting to sit down with the residents and hear those stories and hear those things that they did remember and just realize that there's a great joy in, in being with those who suffer. And honestly, you know, I I wonder if they brought me more comfort than I was bringing them. What a blessing God provided through that. It is in in one of my interviews. So part of this ministry is the book, but also after that was self-published. I have have a podcast and I had the privilege to interview uh, Father Michael Champagne, St. Martinville, Louisiana. So basically Lafayette, West Louisiana. And he's just this uh, awesome Cajun priest and his specific order serves those who are marginalized, 
including those who have chronic conditions. And he explained to me through examples, and you just gave another one, how when we're with someone who is suffering, someone who has some kind of disease or condition, it's actually God being merciful to us. It's not what we're doing for them. It's what they're actually doing for us. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, we are going to have to wrap up now, but we want to tell people about the book and where they can get the book. And honestly, some other resources Matt just mentioned, uh, you can go to DementiaRosary.com, D-E-M-E-N. T-I-A, rosary.com. And actually right now it says if you uh, add your email address, you can get instructions on how to download the book for free. Of course, you can always get the uh, paperback or the ebook as well. And there's other resources to check out, including the podcast, which, you know, once you're finished listening to Roadmap to Heaven here, be sure to check out the podcast, but not before, not before. I have to, <laughs> I have right. to put that plug out there, Matt. I want to thank you for being with us today and thank you for sharing this with us. It's one of those things that, you know, if nothing else, for our listeners who are not, this is not in their life yet. You know, maybe we can offer our intentions during our rosary for those who are caregivers, for those who suffer from dementia, and also for physicians that are looking for therapeutics and for cures to help alleviate the suffering. And what a beautiful thing that is. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. The Memorari to St. Joseph for the Sanctification of Families. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored thy help and sought thy intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in thy power, I fly unto thee and beg thy protection of families. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble prayer, but in thy bounty hear and answer me. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are beginning a new week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. And last week, Patty, you were speaking to the children specifically in our listening audience. And today we learn that really all of us are children. We're children of God. So I, I'm looking forward to this week. How are we going to begin on the Daily Dose of Encouragement today? Well, the topic for the week is living as a child of God. This is our true identity. It's our first identity, the core of who we are. And not only are we children, but specifically, we are adopted children, which is such a beautiful thought. And believe it or not, this whole topic was inspired <laughs> when I was watching the movie, which I've seen a million times, The Blind Side. If you haven't watched the movie The Blind Side, it's this absolutely wonderful movie. It stars uh, Sandra Bullock in it, and it's the true story of Michael Orr, um, who went on to become a professional Football player. Love the movie. Okay. But the part that really was speaking to me was what adoption into a family can mean. Here was this young man who did not have a family, who had a very, very dark life, who was not surrounded by beauty, truth, and goodness. And this family literally plucked him out of that darkness, gave him a future, gave him a hope, helped him to flourish, gave him everything that he needed. It was a total rescue. It was total unconditional love. And this person 
in the movie, Michael Orr, became the best version of himself through this adoption. I mean, it was just this miracle in his life. And that is what God is offering us. I sat there after watching this movie and pondered, oh my gosh, we've all been adopted by God. He has all he has rescued all of us from this life of sin and darkness and violence and evil and cruelty and despair that's in our heart and final death. And he has given us a whole new look on life. So here's what I want to just encourage all of us to thank God for this adoption into his family. And that's just it. He adopts us into his family. The church is the family of God. We need the church. We need to be in the family. So let's praise God today for our adoption, for him rescuing us. Thank him for the church. Thank him that we belong to the family of God. And let's spread that joy and encourage others to come into the family, to be in the family, to relish and rejoice in our adoption. You know, Patty, you shared a movie with us, and every now and then on a Roadmap to Heaven, I have shared a song, Child of Love, which is a great, just high-energy song. And as you bring this topic to us today, I can't help but think of that. So now I've got to watch a movie and listen to a song. I can't tell you how excited I am for this week. As we wrap up today, you know, I I share with you that every morning when I come in, I open up a couple different news sources and look through a couple different emails. And I read this quote from uh, retired Archbishop Charles Chaput in an address that he gave at a Eucharistic event this past weekend. He said, we've forgotten who we are as a believing people. This is both a cause and a symptom of today's lukewarm Catholic spirit in our nation's culture and within the church herself. But that can change, and it needs to change, starting with each of us here. And it's it's a pretty challenging quote. Why do we believe what we believe? Who are we as a people? I saw a a wonderful video last night um, that was taken at our territorial parish. And there's a a Protestant guy. He has a a YouTube channel called the 10-Minute Bible Hour or something like that. Anyway, he happened to be in St. Louis, and he went to Sunday Mass, of all things, at uh, the local Catholic parish right around the corner. And so he asked if he could come back. He was enamored by the beauty of the church, and he was asking Father all sorts of questions. And at the end of the interview, Father said something. uh, he, He started reflecting upon the Passion. And he said that we need to take that with us out every day, you know, that, that our Lord stepped into the mess of humanity that we have made for ourselves so that he could be like us in all things but sin. And then he provides a way to pull us out of the mess, not on our own. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. We can't even do it together. We cannot do it without God. And it was just a beautiful thing. So he said, you know, embrace the the mess. Don't wait till you have your life figured out. Bring your mess to the Lord and let him work on it. And that's the thing. I think so many times I I get so wrapped up in I've got to solve the problem. I've got to take care of this. I've got to be the one that figures out what's right and what's wrong. I, 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 me, me, me. No. God. God is in control. God is in charge. 
God saves. God provides grace. My job is to say yes. His job is to be in charge. And sometimes that means I'm going to have to set aside my will. Saturday night was a rough night for us in the right house. Not in any for any particular reason, but we just weren't we just weren't in sync with one another. And we were all crabby and we were all this, that, and the other thing. And it would have just been easy to say, you know what? I give up. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm walking away because this is hard right now. And yet through all of that, Beth and I kept coming back to saying we have to pray right now because it is hard. That's precisely why we have to pray. We don't walk away. We pray, right? And sure enough, by the time we got home from Mass on Sunday morning, we were back in sync with one another. And what a beautiful example that is for us. Sometimes we have to set aside the easy way. Sometimes we have to set aside our will. You know, you're not doing what I want, so I'm just going to leave, God. No, no. Let's remember who we are and who God is as we go through our week together. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank you for listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Tomorrow we're going to reflect on a saint who we celebrated over the weekend, and that is uh, St. John Paul II. Father Kirby is going to be with us to talk about him. We've got a little bit more in store as well. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.